Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Vitality Code Podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Jason Farrow, along with my <laughs> freshly shorn or recently shorn uh, yeah. Got our matching rugs on yeah, today. We got our matching rugs. I got the you got the memo. I got the memo. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> try to try to get our sponsorship up. Yeah. Can I, yeah. Can you guys notice that? We we'll work for free t-shirts. <laughs> Absolutely. Our, pri- our price is not very high. <laughs> nah, I love free, I love these rug shirts. Um so you know, I forgot to ask you in the last episode, what was the general family besides the fact that it was biologically um expedient and probably good to be clean and get rid of some of the, the, the nasty beard. But I mean, mm-hmm. what was the, what was the aesthetic response? What was the response to the aesthetic by the family? Did the girls um, have a response? It was chaos. They were pissed. Yeah. What? Uh, they lost it. Yeah. Seriously. The middle one got really mad. The, the younger one was like, what's going on? And Bird just laughed at me. The oldest. Wow. Nyla, <laughs> Nyla got pissed, huh? Yeah. They don't want me to shave it. Because I had been in the bathroom for a while, you know. I mean, it took a while to trim and shave this thing. Uh, you, yeah, what did you use? Just the hair clippers on an eight guard. This is an eight. Oh wow! So what did, how did you have to pull it out and do this, just or how did came you came from underneath and just just shaved it and shaved it, and then and then I free, you know, the the guard kind of screws it up. It's not really made for that, and so uh, it gets a bunch of like loose ends, and so then I just kind of came back with a. <laughs> with the beard trimmer and just sort of like tried to clean it up so I could go to work the next day. And it took a while, huh? Yeah, I probably took a good 30 minutes of work in there. Wow. Yeah. Did you did you did you worry like did you think oh my gosh, like Samson, would you think you're going to yeah, lose your power? Sure. I was like, oh, it's like my head looks like a little bobble like a little <laughs> I lost my my shape. I look like a floating a <laughs> softball on shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. A floating softball on shoulders—that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think I lost ten pounds in my frame. I was like, a- "That's hilarious." Did you? Yeah, did your neck? Were you? Were you kind of like, man? That must be right. <laughs> you know, like my neck um, muscles. So, so for the for the person trying to attempting to grow a beard, I don't know if I can last. What do you? What do you do for the daggum itch? My, it's gosh. worse. It's worse at this stage significantly than the. You don't feel it when it's really long, but in the really? interim, yeah. Got to keep it well-groomed shampoo and conditioner. And then you're not at the stage, but like when it gets to this, I, I use some, some balm, some, yeah, I got a routine. So what do I do it? What do I do at this stage when it's just like this little suck it up, suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. It'll go away. So what, so if we look at your chin there and what's coming out from your lip, is it from the, yeah. does the hair go from the lip all the way to the, I mean, how, what's the length of these things, man? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dang. Oh yeah. my gosh. That is it's an eight, you know. You figure Jeez. It's an eight on the I got a long, long, long. So how what to really make it substantial, how long did it take you? Like uh six months? Yeah, it- yeah. I've never had it completely shorn, but this is this right here, yeah, it's probably like six months of growth here. <laughs> Wait, you could get that. You could go from no beard to that in six months. Probably oh yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a you thing. That's a that's a that's a genetic excellence yeah. thing. That's not a geez Louise. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we'll see what I can do. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. Um, put hey, some maybe if I ride on there, and I don't know. Yeah, no, I need, I need to, <laughs> yeah. Geez, I need to do something. Maybe some Rogaine on my some beard. Rogaine on your beard. Yeah. Um. 
speaking of maybe maybe is there a peptide for that can i is there a peptide so, for some growth, growth hormone pep, there's a beer yeah. growth peptide like yeah. a secret well it'd be banned right now you wouldn't be able to do it anyway jeez the are, FDA. They gonna, are they are they going through with it man it's 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 a sealed deal it's been a couple of weeks as of you know i mean this is in 2024 that we're taping this so it oh, happened yeah. a few a few weeks ago they went through and oh, banned dear. They didn't – so it's a weird, as I understand it, it's a little bit of quasi-unknown territory, but they effectively – the FDA effectively banned a significant portion of the most popular um, peptides out there. I mean, there's thousands of peptides. Um, there's some ones that you know, insulin. Um, hell, right. semaglutide and tirzepatide, one of the most popular peptides out there, um, mm. subsequently did not get uh, affected. Um, mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise, and that kind of lends you to know – most likely why they did those are billion dollar industries that the fda is not going to ban um there you go 17 what does it say 17 peptide well, they treatments. are they uh, no, they are but they're i mean i think you i I'm, I'm i'm on the bandwagon with you so i'm i'm part of the team but i will also say i mean there's data there's randomized control data that these are good drugs i mean so I, I mean maybe maybe part of the thing is sure why, why don't the you know, but they, there is more. I would say, that arguably, there's more data that says there are side effects from tirzepatide and semaglutide than there is side effects from BPC. That may be potential. That may be true. Now yeah, you could I, you could make the argument that because there are no randomized control studies on humans with BPC, so maybe we would find some. Right. But to carte blanche go through and and ban these with what appears to be no rhyme or reason, it was. As far as I know, it caught everybody off guard. The pharmacy rep just called me on the blue and said they were caught off guard from our compound pharmacy and they could no longer produce these. I've heard from different people. So the big ones are BPC-157, uh, CJC-1295, I'm a Pirellin. Um, oh, Ipamorellin. Ipamorellin. It's, it's banned now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the growth hormone upregulators – BPC was great. We use that a lot in our clinic just because I have, you know, the chiropractic background. So we do a That's lot of sports a injuries. Compound, yeah. I, I, yeah. So the, I like the scientific I love that. data on that is really fascinating to me. I, I would like to, have and I use trials. it a lot for my gut issue patients as well. That's what its mm -hmm. origin was. It's oral, oral application, and so. Yeah. It was significant blow. I don't know what the outcomes of it. There is still, as far as I know, there's still a manufacturer in California that is making it. So the way I've heard it interpreted is that the they banned compound pharmacies from compounding it. They didn't ban the substance. And actually, I think I heard um, uh, on Rogan's podcast from Brigham that there is a, a patent already on BPC-157. Not patent, sorry. Some studies being done by Merck. I forget. Of that's why. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> um, I was about to say. I was about to say. Just coming to a coming to a shelf near you. Coming to a doctor near you yep. is going to be Merck, Abbott, Abby V, whoever. I mean, like you know, they they they're like, oh, wait, wait, we we missed these. These actually work. How did that slip mm -hmm. through there? You know. Yeah, and no doubt they. I mean, they're not. And they're billion dollar companies, so they're probably researching these, and they're they're looking to patent the dose is you you they're like testosterone you can't patent testosterone right but you can patent the delivery system you can patent the dose right. you can patent the tweak you put on it to make its half-life longer shelf life longer something like mm. that it's route of administration different um so those are the things as i understand mm. that you can patent 
But our compound pharmacies, as I understand, are no longer manufacturing it, no longer using it, um, puts doctors in a weird place. You, it's really hard. I think as a physician, you can maybe speak to this from a surgeon's perspective, but like there is safety as a physician from a CYA standpoint as doing the same as everybody else, like the standard of care. If you push mm -hmm. into that unknown, you're really exposing yourself. So oh, yeah. if you are like, well, these are doing great for my patients, I'm going to keep doing these. And then, you know, someone could make the argument, well, the FDA says that these are dangerous substances and you kept using those doctors and none of your colleagues are using these doctor. Why are you still using them? Are you, you, know, are you so cavalier that you think, you know, you know, it just mm -hmm. puts you up. It, it, it really sets up a, a potentially, um, negative situation for individual physicians who who want to use these who found good results didn't have any issues but don't want to put their license on the line frankly um it's just so it's going to set up an interesting situation but i was you know i really really like the bpc for musculoskeletal as well as gut injuries i really like the the cjc and the growth hormone upregulators um and had pretty good results but i think for now, that that I don't know what the big companies are doing, and I don't know how individual docs are going to respond. And I don't know how individual pharmacies. I think you're going to push people to the black market. So that's mm -hmm. what a lot of my patients are just going to these, you know, not for human consumption labs. And I don't, oh, yeah, I've seen a lot of that. I don't I've use seen them. a lot of weird and there's weird stuff they can get through through that. Yeah, um, China and India. You know, I've, you can order it fairly experimental use only and experimental the, you know, use only. Yeah. And that's how they get around the FDA, you know, inspections. And and if you really want to see, you know, like listening and not that Rogan's podcast is the go all end all be all, but the gentleman on there talks about the difference between like FDA pharmacies and maybe some of your standard pharmaceutical companies and their pharmacies. I mean, if we're talking about problems at pharmacies, one of the problems for uh, semaglutide was their, their factory got shut down because they were improper practices right so it's not just who's that compound. what do you mean it was uh novo nordisk, novo, novo nordisk yeah one of their subsidiary pharmacies that they were using to manufacture it had significant manufacturing um violations that shut them down for a while <laughs> oh really i didn't know yeah. that and i mean there, i deal with this like just going to the local publics and having uh, lots of um uh, it wasn't Synthroid, but the thyroid medication, I think it was MP thyroid, came back as super physiological doses because the manufacturer had messed up. So these these things happen at at pharmacies from traditional pharmaceutical companies all the time. So it's not just that they were shutting down and protecting the, the public from compound pharmacies because they're Ooh, dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're FDA-inspected compound pharmacies. Um, and the one I use, I've never had any problems with at all. Um, uh oh, what's, what do we got going? Yeah, so was this? Um, yeah, so I saw this. So Novo Nordisk is interesting. So the pharmacy that I use, the they the FDA came out and banned um, BPC one five seven, and then I would say about four weeks this. about four weeks this. later, Novo Nordisk took that pharmacy to court saying that their semaglutide was in it was um contaminated 100 percent of their samples were contaminated with bpc 157 and i was like well this is such a 
the pharmacy was manufacturing it with BPC-157 prior to the FDA on ban. On purpose, as advertised, they told you what was in it. So there wasn't like it was contaminated at all. I it know. was manufactured with BPC-157. Then the FDA comes out and bans one BPC-157. Then Novo Nordisk sues the pharmacy for having BPC-157. It just looks so bad. bad you know what I mean? Like, So you Shady. didn't influence that? And then all of a sudden, it just so happened that, you know, you're saying that they contain this dangerous substance and you were. So I I don't know, but I I know peptides were in a really exciting um, avenue for a lot of physicians like myself. And that has been taken away, I think, to the patient's detriment in in the short run. So we'll see what happens. And it drove the price up and it drove everybody to black market. That was the effective use. I don't know what the, you know, I know people have a good responses using the black market. I know patients who have had bad res- responses. I don't, I don't condone it. I can't, it's not, it's outside my purview of my license. I don't, I don't tell patients to go there at all. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Jeez. Hmm. Interesting. So same <laughs> thing happened with HCG. You know, they reclassified HCG as a biologic. Um, so a lot of guys could not get HCG from compound pharmacies. And what? then, so this what, happened. What? Yeah. So HCG was reclassified as a biologic, which then That's disallowed a biologic. the just a, just a bi- category. Some, yeah, yeah. Category. Mm, and okay. so then it disallowed f- certain compound pharmacies from manufacturing it, which then they were meeting the demand for HCG. So they stopped that uh, pipeline. And it dried it up. And so the all you can get now is Pregnil, the the name brand HCG. And there is, there you go. March 2020 provision. And they didn't really enforce it. So it was like they reclassified it, but they let them do it. They kind of like, we're not really going to do it. And Unless they have the, a biologics license application. Oh my gosh. Yep. And I don't know that any of those were granted. And so at the end of 2020, Two, they really said we're going to crack down on this, and all the pharmacies that I use stopped manufacturing it, uh, and it dried the market up. And now it drove the price up in the interim from like seventy five dollars a vial. It drove the price up. To, I saw as high as five hundred dollars a vial for HCG. It's back down to about two hundred, one hundred and fifty. If you can get it, it's on back order everywhere. No one has it because the uh, commercial version, which is Pregnil. You can't find anywhere. It's just, it's just the manufacturing pipelines were not there to meet the demand, and so it, it, I won. I, I don't know what they're doing, and you know, not that I'm have access to that information, but it just seems to yeah, not what's the point be to of the this, end. Honest. Yeah, I, I heard in some circles and in some publications that they banned the HCG because people were using it as a HCG diet, you know, and I was oh, like, yeah. but it wasn't that popular. Yeah. I. In what ACG diet was silly anyway, but I didn't know that many people were doing it and it didn't seem to be a big deal. It, it was maybe still out there in some small circles. There were no significant people getting injured as far as I knew. I never heard of anybody. Uh, it was just a severe caloric restriction diet and you add ACG for appetite suppression. Um, but that would be gone anyway now with tears, appetite, and semaglutide. Jeez. <clears throat> so. But nonetheless, you know, I worry about testosterone and I worry about what they'll do, you know, for pellets and what they'll do for compound pharmacies making that as soon as big pharmaceutical interests become aligned with that. Hmm. So, well, nonetheless, 
it's the nanny state, man. This is getting a little bit too much. And it's just, I mean, yeah. And they, I mean, they, they dictate what you can do and can't do in medicine. It's just, um, I don't know. It's tough because there are, you know, it just, these, these big sweeping changes based on the few incidences of whatever. I mean, it's like that, like anything in life. I mean, like to, to punish the masses for that is ridiculous. Yeah. And the idea of it is great, right? The idea that there's this organization looking out for the safety of the patients <laughs> is course. a great idea. Yeah. It just is horribly applied and is run by a government that's inept and doesn't know its elbow from its asshole. And so, you know, when the, when the revolving door between the pharmaceutical companies and the FDA is apparent and obvious, it's hard to trust anything they do. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But nonetheless, we keep moving on. We keep moving on, man. So yeah. last time we talked about CGM and I'm, I'm so excited to delve more into that. <laughs> Are they you still wearing it? Yeah, I'm still wearing it. All right, like, good deal. Are they going to take that away now too? I don't know what they're, <laughs> right. they're taking everything away. Jeez, Louise. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Oh uh, yeah, I could get, I could go on a soapbox. I mean, you know, you just wonder. Yeah, they take away stuff, but do they take it away for the elite? Do the elite get the? I don't know. It's just, anyways, whatever. Um, I'll probably never know because I'll never be in that class. <laughs> I will never know. <laughs> so I will be able to tell you. <laughs> if you're in that class somewhere, can you let us know? I don't, we'd like to know. Um, so, I mean, are we going to start giving people testosterone to get their A1Cs better? Or maybe not. Are we going to start? Yes. Are, are people doing that? And, and, and should we be doing that? And should we expect that to be done? I don't know. I make the well, argument that in certain, in certain patient-by-patient cases, yes, and I do it. That's part of a comprehensive uh, – now, I I do it when there is a corresponding suboptimal testosterone, 100%. I, I don't think I've ever given somebody with optimal testosterone who has a glucose metabolism issue testosterone, although I don't know that I've ever seen those – you know, see a naturally occurring 750 and a diabetic patient that come to my office either. How often do you see a naturally occurring 750 though? I, occasionally I do. I, occasionally. That's, that's the answer. Very occasionally. occasionally. Yeah. How and I always you, tell, it's, it's cool to me because I, you know, I get this selection bias to a certain degree. Like you generally don't come to my office cause you feel great and everything is working perfectly and you feel amazing. And you just want to check, right? It's like, Hey, this is happening. This is happening. Negative, negative. negative. I want to check my testosterone. So I don't get a lot of those, but I do still do some primary care and I do, I do still get patients who are just like, Hey, I just want to see if I'm at optimal levels and you know, I want to check and you're like, my God, you still exist. There you are. Well, it's like the the white buffalo. Like what's yeah. that from the hot tub time machine? The <laughs> great white buffalo, whatever it is. Like, yeah, it's like, or the, it's the Moby so, Dick or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times they feel, they're like, oh yeah, no, I feel pretty good. X, Y, Z is working. This is good. This is good. I just wanted to check and see where I was at. And, you know, I hear all this news and I hear all this talk and I hear my friends and da, 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 da. And so that usually doesn't come with like, yeah, well, I do feel crappy. What else is there? It's like, no, I just want to get my numbers. There's a, a renewed or a maybe a new interest in getting, quote unquote, your numbers and getting some information on you, on yourself and starting to collect that own data on yourself. You know, there, there tend to be patients who are interested in cold plunge and sauna. They tend to be patients who are interested in their numbers, their vitamin levels. And part of that comprehensive check that their maybe their primary cares are not doing is they want to check their testosterone. They just want to track it like they do their cholesterol. They want to track it like they do their diabetes markers. It's so a, that's a really interesting thing as you just 
just said. <clears throat> so there's this era that's coming about and has been for some time of personalized <clears throat> personalized health. It, 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 tailoring these things, or you tailoring these things to yourself and, and we have controls of population controls and, and, and standards, but, but what using large data sets and newer technologies like the wearables we're talking about to personalize your healthcare and not just use these static one-time measurements that we look over vast populations of people with same, the same thing and fall into these generalized category. Okay, that's one. The next thing is comparing yourself to yourself temporally mm-hmm. uh, temporarily rather excuse me um and and i heard mark snyder talk about this too um and we mentioned him on another podcast and it was a and it's not that he's the only one but it just happens to be the one i heard and <clears throat> when you and i've i thought about this when you someone comes in and they're ill and then what are you doing as a physician you're trying to fit them into a category that you read out of a textbook which is based on these bigger populations and kind of generalizing people and things and all the time, especially in surgery, I'm finding, well, you don't have, I have to, I have to really use a lot of deductive reasoning and this is where experience comes into play and that's good and everything, but trying to parse out all the differences between the most likely diagnosis and what you're taught of it versus what you're, what you're seeing right in front of you. Now that starts to go away when you look at somebody against themselves. Okay. So here's, here was Jeff and. 2000, 2001, five, seven, eight. And all of a sudden it's very apparent because you're, you're looking at yourself against a different version of you in a timeline. And you can see these abnormals that, Oh, maybe you don't meet all the whatever requisites for this diagnosis that we see in textbook, but for you, but we know you have it right. And then for you, we know what these symptoms are and how they change over time. And we can see it right there. So I think that's a really cool thing is to start to track those things and then look at in look at it in times of health and look at it at times of disease. And you'll be able to probably gain a lot more than you would if you were comparing against these wide swaths of population of people that aren't like you, right? Yeah, I mean, there's huge interpersonal variability. And I always tell patients, yes. here's, what the, here's what the data says. But honestly, this is based on the statistics and of large population bases. And statistics do not apply to individuals in one moment is how I tell them. This right. statistic helps me infer how right. you should fit, but it does it tells me nothing about you. You might be the outlier. And if you right. are the outlier, then that is a hundred percent of cases. If you know if you're if you're my N yeah. of one, then a hundred percent of cases present this way. Right. Um, and so I, I I like to look at labs over time. I like to get their old labs. You know, a lot of physicians I shouldn't say this. Some of the physicians I work with have no idea that you can go on Quest and you can go on LabCorp, which have a ton of data on a patient and you can find labs for years on there. And oh, really? You just, yeah. You just ask the patient, hey, can I go look up your old labs? And a lot of times they're housed on, on LabCorp's online server. I would have been one of those physicians. I had no idea. Yeah. So I just bring it up and then I'll print. I'll be like, well, this is interesting. you know. And sometimes, like I had a lady, this was two weeks ago, and we sat and we talked. And, and she's, I was like, I don't think it's. I don't think it's your hormones. I think you, I think we're just starting to paint a picture of you of this way. And I think that's, we, we had took us a while, right? We drew two sets of labs in my office. I pulled her old labs. We sat and we talked. Um, it came out some other information about her. And I was like, I think your hormones look quote unquote normal mm-hmm. for the standard, whatever that means, but you do really well. It appears from this hour that we've talked cumulative that you do better with a really robust hormone profile yeah 
And she was like, well, that's weird because I love being pregnant. It's the best time of my life. I'd be pregnant all the time, you know, and, and postpartum was a little tough for me. And so, and you know, like these kind of things came to fruition. Was she an older lady? Mm, for, well, I would say no, cause she was my age. <laughs> she was in her forties. Oh, that's, um, that's not what I consider. Yeah. Because, it, cause one of the things too is looking at older versus younger and, and receptor down regulation and like, you know, these different, um, so older folks have higher circulating levels of lots of different hormones because they're, they just become insensitive over time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, ACE inhibitors. And like, if you look at, you know, the, the byproducts of those and what are those are, you know, if you look at blood pressure studies and you look at this circulating levels of, or even endogenous, um, adrenal hormones and things, people become insensitive over time. So there's a theory too, that you need higher, well, there's a, a demonstrated, there's demonstrated plausibility and, and efficacy in this, but that older folks need higher levels of hormones potentially um, than younger folks because of receptor downregulation that occurs over time. So that's why I was asking about the, but, but there's also the personalized thing too. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. And that's why symptoms and relief thereof are so important in this line of work. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I think that the individuality matters. So what I tell my, my men is if you've got, suboptimal testosterone and you've got a dysregulation of your endocrine profile, i.e. some dysregulation, some pre-diabetic, some, some glucose dysregulation, then I 100% think that testosterone plays a role in regulating that for you. Right. In a positive sense. And I see it clearly in, in even A1C data lowering significantly. <clears throat> I do. I, I think, and I used to think about, I used to make it more of a prominent place in my mind than before. Uh, but one thing that I don't like is that I think a lot of people and myself included, and there was a time where I, th you get this feeling that, and, and it's because you wear this lens of bias that like you just said in your practice and everything, and you see people that come in and they're androgen deficient and they have such dramatic turnarounds when you re replace their hormones. I don't know if this happens to you, but I've seen it happen to me and I've seen it happen to the general public where you start to blame everything or hinge everything on hormones. Sure. And they're, they're very powerful substances, no doubt. And they affect every organ system in the body. So they, maybe we can't fault people for that, but like, <clears throat> you know, is it the chicken and the egg is the, did the metabolic disorder cause this? Mm -hmm. And so is therefore this maybe just fix the endocrine disorder and, not fix the testosterone. Is that what you're going? Right. Like, no, it's yeah. for sure. For sure, it's it's true that you know um, over fifty percent of the aging obese diabetics will have lower testosterone than their non-diabetic, uh, even obese counterparts. <clears throat> but is it was it the and, and the, the question is how much difference? Like, is it thirty point difference nanograms per deciliter? Is it hundred points? Mm -hmm. And if it's thirty to forty to fifty, if it's something that's less than three digits, for instance. What's the clinical ramification of that? I don't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to parse that out. Although on the other side, what you're saying is true that if you, we do see it in clinical practice that people's A1Cs tend to improve after being placed on testosterone. And we do know their scientific <clears throat> bench research type biochemical data that demonstrates the effect of testosterone on the adipocyte, on the muscle cell, making it a better regulator of um, it's metabolic processes just to keep it simple. Um, 
you know, interestingly, testosterone, if you look at pluripotent stem cells, tends to pr- produce more of those that develop into muscle than those that develop into fat. It's mm-hmm. pretty interesting if you in a, if you bathe in them in testosterone. State. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and it even it even causes the adipocyte to become a more efficient cell and less and more sensitive to the effects of other hormones. Uh, so you can, if you have the proper amount of testosterone in your body, you can burn the fuel contained within that adipocyte easier than if you did not. But the problem is, I I I I, I get. I get worried that I myself would even try to almost prescribe testosterone for a diabetic to help them with their, their diabetes rather than now I've changed my viewpoint to what you said in an earlier podcast was, I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg, but I know that one, there is a, there is a, there is a circular relationship there and one will help the other. And so let's, let's do both. And I think that's the key. And so I look at these foundations of vitality, and I think hormones is one of the foundations. I think your glucose regulation, your sleep, your your uh, how, how you handle stress, um, and your the sense of community, and the building of muscle, and the balance and strength and coordination. And these these pillars, right? And if you get the testosterone, the hormones right, it will help all the others. But it's not in and of itself a panacea. No, definitely not. And I think a couple of things, I, I think this is why it's important that as a physician, we are always imposing objective checks and balances on ourselves because yes. it's easy to become biased. Yes. It's easy to become biased because there's a financial interest in it. There's easy to become yeah. biased because it's just a selection bias. And so it all starts coming in. So you just think everybody has it. Uh, you, you tend to remember the really good responses. Recency bias. Yeah. Recency bias. And so I always what I really try to make myself do is I make the decision, the patient's decision. I try my best right. in every single patient interaction to say, here's the information, here's the data, here's the pros and cons of these four decisions that we can use to attack. So let's take this diabetic situation or pre-diabetic situation. Here's your option, sir, ma'am, X, Y, Z. Here's the pros and cons of this one. Here's the pros and cons of this one. Here's the pros and cons of this one. Which one would you like to do? You know, And if you look at testosterone as a piece of that puzzle. There's a pro and there's a con to it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not my decision necessarily to make. It's my decision to give you the information as unbiasedly and ob- as objectively as I can. And it's your dis- it's your responsibility to be as objective within yourself to know how that fits for you. And I need to honor that. So if you tell me like, I really like to give it a shot without, I don't want to be on any medications, even if it's testosterone, I don't want to do anything. Can we do it the other way? Yes. 100% we can, we can. It, and that that's something that the patient needs to have the purview to do. But also on the flip side of that, if the patient's like, I'm tired of fighting a fight that I feel like I'm not winning. I'm tired of feeling like garbage. Which one of these will provide me the quickest boost to get to where I need to be? Well, that would be adding your testosterone, doing proper diet and doing proper exercise and maybe semaglutide, right? It could be all of those things. And they may say like, Oh, that one scares me. It's really new. I don't want to do the semaglutide. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm having a hard time exercising. Maybe I want to include the semaglutide, right? Those are their choices as, as opposed to me dictating that to the patient. Um, because as soon as you start to dictate that to the patient, I think that's a slippery slope of objectivity and, and bias is, is heavily I, what finds its way in there. I, I agree hundred percent. And I, <clears throat> and I also, I try to give them a box 
And I say in this box, there's, these are the safe options and let's, let's go through these safe options. Mm -hmm. I will, I will give you a, because I think it becomes difficult sometimes for patients. And I've done this is where I get so there. I, I try to avoid paternalism so much that it's almost I know like, what, you're well, gonna what say. the hell do I do? You know, like, so, I, <laughs> yes. so I try to give them some borders. I, I, that's one thing I've added. Well, and also a lot of times patients will say, what would you do? Oh gosh, I know all the time. And, and that's also, I have to remember sometimes they came to me so that means it's an issue they want to address and they do want my opinion. So tell me right. what your opinion is and address it. You know, like yeah. you got to yeah, remember I that know. too. And, and, and I do. And I, and I, and I'm, uh, and <clears throat> I always like, for instance, if I'm signed up somebody for surgery, I always say, but you have to remember, I'm seeing this through a surgeon's lens, which is a bias and I cannot get rid of that bias. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come see me if I didn't have that bias. You wouldn't go see a non-surgeon for it. So you have to remember, <laughs> right. I, and I, but I'm, but I'm also, I don't know, just my makeup and maybe how I was taught. It sounds like you were have a similar makeup and you were taught similarly or whatever, however you developed it. I just can't not say it. I want to, I want to admit it and I want to put it out there so that they, they can make the best decision, but I want to freely admit that there's bias. I mean, I'm, you know, so mm -hmm. I, no matter at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I at least told you and we, we, we did this together. Um, so I had a woman come in, you know, or, or see us for a consult and she had massive med. So she was obese. Her main complaint was obesity and wanting to lose weight and wondering if there was a hormonal component. She was sent to us by some folks that are fitness coaches and macro experts. <clears throat> and they went down that pathway first with her. And then she, when those things arose through questioning, they sent them to us. So we took her labs. She had, oh my gosh, metabolic derangement of every sort, of which included a non-existent, you know, how it says incalculably low or less than, you know, it doesn't give you a number testosterone was gone, just gone. Her hemoglobin A1C was like five, nine or six. It was like, it was, it was high pre-diabetic, but not yet diabetic. Um, she was morbidly obese, um, thyroid, but that was being treated by someone else, but it needed some tweaking. And then she had a high CRP, high homocysteine, um, some other things that, you know, we could take care of. Low, her vitamin D was like 10. <laughs> it was like, okay, so there were some quick, easy fixes put her on some vitamin D, da, 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 da. And then it, the basic decision was down to three things. Do I get on testosterone supplementation? Do I get on medical weight loss therapy with semaglutide, trisepatide, or do I get on both? <clears throat> and her budget came into play. She's a school teacher. And, and that's, and that's fair. I was like, you're doing the, you're doing the Lord's work being a school teacher. God bless you. I don't know why we don't pay them uh, way more than we, we really should, but nonetheless, and I, and I'm sensitive to that. I don't want you going out and spending much money either. So, here I am biased and have a financial incentive, right? W what am I going to make more money on quote unquote, you know, medical weight loss hands down. Right. And she's got, a, and she's got morbid obesity and she's got a high A1C and we can improve all that. But I had sold her. I was like, you know, then, so that's what it took. It took some questioning, like what's bothering you the most? Do you, are you having symptoms of libido issues? Um, dyspareunia, different things like that. And Oh, by the way, it came out that she, had had some progress with the fitness and macros counting. She had no idea what macros were and wasn't really into fitness her whole life. But after a couple months with them, had lost like 14 pounds on her own without doing anything. And I was like, well, geez, it sounds like that's working. Don't jump off a winning horse. Um, and why don't you just get your hormones? We'll make, make things more efficient. You know, here's what I would do. Kind of, I give her my opinion, you know, and, um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to know in that person, which beget, which, Number one, number two, it's hard to know sometimes how to. It's difficult 
kind of crossing that or, you know, just navigating that terrain with a patient. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't know how you navigate that, but if, 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 how, what would you have done in that situation? Yeah, it's a tough one. I take it. What I try to do in my, in my assessment is I'm trying to assess the patient from a medical standpoint. But and the reason I have longer talks and longer initial assessments is I'm also trying to evaluate their emotional makeup right. and where I think they will do the best. And so I usually will end my conversations with asking them what they want to do. And the, inevitably it comes back to, well, I came to you, you're the expert. And I say, mm. what I hear you saying is that you will likely do best with this. Or what I hear you saying is that uh, financially, these are the best options for you. Or That's what I hear term. you saying. I hear you saying, yeah. And it Were seems- Were you taught that or is that something you developed? I like that. That's it. I don't know if you even realize that. That's yeah, a, that's a I don't really- know. That's yeah, important. I wasn't taught by anybody, but so I, I, and I try to, I try to do the best I can to put myself in the patient's shoes. And I, I say like, That's this seems to be, this seems to be a really tough journey and you seem to be really struggling and you would like every option down the table that you can do. Does that feel true to you? Mm-hmm. And if they're like, yeah, I, I can't, or like, no, I think I'm, I'm okay. Or, you know, you can kind of gauge their response and see if you got it right. And then based on that response, I try to I try to get them to elucidate an answer best I can, and then I say, "Well, here's my recommendation based on what I hear you say." Yeah. So I try to leave that for last. Um, in those cases, though, I I find it I, I, it's difficult because the patient, like you described, potentially is in a severe state where it's going to take a lot of wins to beget future wins. I know. And so it, it's like if you could start off with a bang. It, it would really help, but then you don't want to pigeonhole somebody into a lifelong treatment. I, I find this with my tears, epitide, my semaglutide. I tell patients my, you know, a lot of times they're scared. They want to be on it forever. They don't want to, you know, be pigeonholed into it. They don't want to have to, you know, what are the future consequences? And I tell them mm. my goal for you is that I will always keep open a window for you to come off of these medications. Whether you come off or not is a decision for you to make and a decision for us to have, but I will always keep the window open for you to know that you can come off these if that's a choice that you make. And different mm. patients have made that choice at different times, and some have chosen that it's going to be a longer journey, and the benefit of being on it outweighs the benefit of being off of it for them for mm. various reasons. But the option to come off is always there, and we will always honor that decision. Um, so, and I also like the, when patients are, um, are on a subscription based service with me, it takes a lot of that financial biases out, right? You're paying me a fee monthly that won't change. And whether you do, whether I find you labs in my office or with your insurance, or whether I find you pregnil or I find you compounded HCG, whether I those don't change how much you're paying me. So I, it, it helps take away some of that financial interest. When hmm. so I found that with the subscription model, actually, it, it helps take away that because I'm not looking for add-ons, right? I'm not looking for you know, well, your insurance is going to ding me if I run this on your lab, and I won't get my kickback at the end of the year from my managed care, so I don't want to run an MRI, so I'm going to refer you to the specialist. Um, you know, I saw that yeah. when I first started out, and you know, and, oh, I remember them telling me when I was doing my preceptor rotations, they don't that that insurance company really doesn't like you running PSAs on patients. I'm like, what do you mean? I ha- I have to run that, you know? But uh, you know, they don't really don't like because it it's an expensive test. And we, eh, we don't really like to run the MRI because, 
you know, it, it, it dings us at the end of the year for a kickback. They wouldn't say it that way, but that's what it was. Jeez. So we referred to the ref specialist and let them run the MRI. But when you're on a subscription model, it, I, I don't get a kickback from the MRI. I don't get a kickback from LabCorp. I don't get a kickback from Access Labs. I don't get a kickback from the manufacturer of Pregnil. And so I just felt like, yeah, I found a pharmacy that's selling that same medication cheaper. Let's use that. Or actually, if you go to Publix on Mayhan, it's cheaper than if you went to CVS because you went to the good RX app. You know, so you can kind of navigate those systems independent of that financial biases. Um, but really, just trying to put my patient myself in the patient's shoes. Um, yeah. So, what did she end up doing? Balancing her hormones because that's going to uh, definitely affect her her weight loss capability, right? Right. So I, that's what I said. I. <clears throat> And did she I mean, do the weight ideally, loss? Ideally, it's no, not yet, because she was already paying these people to do their service. So I was like, "Good God!" I mean, that would be one, which is fine, and I and I think she should, and she already had good success, and it brought her to us. We were gonna, so what we did is we're gonna fix her thyroid mm -hmm. using her insurance, so no cost there. We're vitamin D, that's that's negligible cost. Yep. Uh, and then the hormones. So tell us about the hormones and the weight loss. How is that testosterone optimization and her going to affect her ability? Well, to that's lose the weight? thing. Like, I, I think, you know, so it makes you wonder, should I have treated the chronic disease? And they, maybe that would have, you know, and it's the chicken and the egg to me, it was the additional symptoms of dyspareunia and low libido. But what of those, I don't know. Well, her estrogen was okay. So I don't, it gets it gets tricky, but it, we're not getting too far in it. Let's just call it low libido because I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering it wrong too. I, I don't, anyways, but because it does get tricky. But I think her estrogen was okay. But. but just what do you tell the patient that how the testosterone optimization is going to affect their weight loss? Like through what avenues? Well, that's the thing. So, I, so number one, it's going to be working at the level of the brain. Okay, increasing dopamine and serotonin and mm -hmm. increasing motivation. We know which um, is significant. Which is significant, and there's compelling data. Huberman talks about this recently in his lab, but it's been around for a while that that testosterone affects that part of the brain dealing with motivation. So the question is, yeah, can you go in and do these large compound movements using large compound muscle groups, uh, squats, uh, bench press, and, and thereby increase your testosterone naturally as you increase your homo uh, glucose regulation, as you get rid of your Chronic, yes, you probably can. But in a uh, patient like you've described, I've never seen it happen. Exactly. In and, a young, and she, healthy patient, I've seen increases in a in a presumably young, healthy, a few males. I've never seen a female, not that they've gone down that route, but I can I can think of specific few young quasi or quote unquote, not quasi, quote unquote healthy males who were just interested in upping their levels and wanted to see what the effect was. Yes. Like 30 something year old males who are healthy. So you're otherwise. talking about the physiology of a 30 year old versus the physiology of 70, or are you talking about the mental attitude and actually getting to the gym? I'm both? talking about the physiology. Well, probably both as a matter of fact, well, but, that's but a, the physiology, that, I think that's a good point. And, a non-diseased so, non state individual boosting their testosterone versus a disease state individual, whether or not they just, they probably just couldn't put in the physiological amount of work necessary because it's tough to work out. It hurts. You know what I mean? Like, but enhanced who's already trained. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's another point. It's going to change your physiology. You're literally going to be able to make, have higher influxes of calcium into the sarcoplasmic reticulum. You're going to be have better muscle contraction, grip strength's going to increase. I mean, all these things are going to cover so, better. Recovery is better. Development's better. That's right. Wins You're, beget wins. Right. So I, I did, I did go through, a, I said, basically, and this, I'm not trying to cure your diabetes with testosterone. I, I will, I, uh, but it is a, it is a fact that an improved testosterone profile 
is correlated. I don't know if it's causal yet because that the, the data hasn't made that link. The data shows that these cells are better at um, processing glucose. The, the data shows that these cells are better at mobilizing lipids from their stores, but it doesn't quite prove just yet. But what is true <clears throat> is that um, you're doing those things anyway. And what is, and if we can make your body a more efficient machine, then you'll, then you'll have a better result. You'll, you'll get to a 90 instead of a 70, or you'll get to whatever is your end goal. And that's going to be enhanced by testosterone. Not only that, but you know, there's, you know, I think the, the bigger point to this is no matter what this woman chose as I'm going to start with a B or C in the end, I think the journey will play its course out. If you, I think the bigger picture is like, Jane, uh, let's give this a year. I'm not going to start you on uh, semaglutide right now, tears appetite. I want to give you three more months on that, but it's an option if you want it down the road. Uh, and we talked and, about that, right? Right. And so, and, and also as a physician, when you have a smaller practice, you're able, like, this is a discussion that you're having that will definitely influence her decision making down the road. So, it, you're you're providing patient care right now, even without her being present, because you're thinking right. about these answers. What's best for her? I didn't want to. I didn't want to tax her financial budget. I didn't want to tax these other things. And she was already doing really good here, so I wanted to give her that win doing the diet and e- exercise before we put her on semaglutide. But so the journey may look kind of meandering, but in the end, if if yeah, the physicians invested and the patients invested, how you get right. there versus three right turns or three left turns, you, hopefully you still get there and. There may have been a quicker route. There may have been a better route. But as long as you find the route that is best for that patient, I think that's the better. That's the ultimate 30,000-foot view issue that's that's being addressed here. And the yeah. fact that you're even questioning it, right? You know, as opposed to, I got six minutes with you, start semaglutide, start uh, testosterone, and keep doing your diet. Oh, I'll yeah. see you next week. You know, I'll yeah. see you actually next year. <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. And tailoring it to your specific uh, patient is the key. Yeah. I, I find that the literature, you know, like one of these articles I read in preparation was this one by Grossman uh, at all, or 2014 review from the Journal of Endocrinology. And and it's a, it's a balanced view of things, you know, and it's good. But but you, you I don't know if you pick up on this, but I pick up on these. You, there's like a tilt in these art, in these articles, like, oh, you know, it's almost like you know, you guys are trying to cure diabetes with testosterone, and clearly that doesn't, that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, I, I, it, but they don't talk about the other the other things, and they also don't talk. It's like you know, type one and type two errors. I we we don't have to get into that, but but I, I mean, there's just the, the corollary that they don't seem to mention. I mean, um. And so I guess at the end of the day, trying to figure it, figure it out, you come back to what you said, staying with the patient through the process, talking about all the different options, understanding the, the physiology and the anatomy and the biochemical response um, helps them make a better decision that's an informed decision, helps you help them navigate through those, if yeah. you understand it. So I've never seen someone's diabetic state or pre-diabetic, what do you want to call it, cured by testosterone. Right, but I still always recommend it as a potential option if there is dysfunctional testosterone levels as something that will help, even though I've never seen it cure. And in fact, I've rarely seen, you know, in my pre-diabetics, certain pharmaceuticals work. It's to me, it's more about psychological changes and them taking yes. it seriously and them making lifestyle changes, which are really, really difficult. Um, and that is the bigger influence, I think, on all of this. When you talk about lifestyle changes, what's between the ears is so much more than what's you know going in your syringe or what's going in your pharmacy 
pill and these kind of things. Like it's, you've got to take this seriously and you've got to make some significantly hard decisions over the course of a long period of time that are probably going to butt up against some significant psychological predispositions that you may have oh, about gosh, food yes. and lifestyle and family and stress and workload. Right. And all these things are, are so much bigger. And that's really the determining factor is when those things are addressed, I think, ultimately. And sometimes, okay. you know, it, but but I can't address everything with you. And I'm not your psychiatrist, and I'm, but I strongly recommend that you talk to somebody about your eating habits. And I strongly recommend you talk to somebody about your family relationships or whatever I can see as, as a cause. I'm going to deal with these issues um, and help you along the way. But I think it's the community and the community of support plays a big role in seeing other people make wins and that you can make wins and, and long-term lifestyle changes, long-term right. Long term. That, that's the key. And, and you, I, <clears throat> I think that there's a, I think in summary, I think there's a bi-directional relationship with testosterone. Yes. Metabolic disorders do lower it. Yes. Um, low testosterone begets these metabolic disorders. So I think, so the answer is it the chicken, the egg, is it the chicken or the egg? I would just say, yes. I wouldn't yes. say it's either way, but, but I think ultimately you hit the nail on the head. It comes down to providing that in the, in the framework of the substrate where you're looking at the long-term ramifications of the most vital life you can have, the most healthful life you can have, the long-term ramifications of all these other things that are in your life, the psychological implications and making sure that these, you know, it's the big bang for the buck, these pillars, the sleep, the exercise, the nutrition, the hormones, yes, the socio well, whatever they are, the social dynamics of being a human um, and addressing them, they all work together. They're all synergistic. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes to. But there is to. some significant, I tell patients too, like you're going to put on some muscle mass from taking testosterone. For and sure. that muscle mass will make you more metabolically active, which will improve your ability to deal with sugar. Like there is a direct link that I could tell you how it works and how. And, and also I look back and I'm glad it was suggested to me that I start testosterone. I look back at Doing testosterone now. At the end of the day, yeah. if it wasn't suggested to me, somebody who had significant, like I was on zero yeah. medications up until the point, never. Yeah. You know, well, actually, I've been on some disease states, but never lifestyle medications at all. Yeah. No blood pressure, no cholesterol, no yeah. diabetes, no, nothing like that. Yeah. And it was a big hurdle. And I looked at it almost like a like I had failed or I looked at it as like now I'm quitting or I've started this new thing or I've gotten old or whatever that like, it was like, man, huh. this is not, I'm not going to do it. But now I look back and I was like, I tell patients because I had this, I think I wish I'd started it a year early huh. and I've made so many other better mints in my health that whatever negative that could come from me being on testosterone the cost, the time, the effort, the money, the potential side effects is s the benefits severely and drastically outweigh any potential negatives. And I'm emotionally, financially, uh, physiologically at a better state, I think directly because of that, not like it was the sole reason, but it definitely played a role that I can follow. It did. I, I think that I think that was a genesis of something in you, and I, th I think that's what I tell people with testosterone is that <clears throat> it's not. Again, um, I kind of thought I have to be honest with you. I think I think I thought. I don't know if I consciously thought, but I definitely had a. I feel like in the retrospective scope, there I had this 
wonderment because I saw a lot of big changes and I almost got to feeling like testosterone was some kind of panacea. I don't, but I do think it's a very powerful change agent. And I think it, it plays a, a massive role in a more complete framework that mm-hmm. has to be in place to get those long lasting and permanent changes that are significant. But it's like, you know, it's got to be there. You got to, <clears throat> a key won't get you, a key to the car won't get you to the next destination, but it will turn on that car, which right. will ultimately get you to the yeah, destination. Yeah, I was already working out. I was already doing all these things. I was just getting right. zero results from them. I was right. feeling like right. garbage. Right. right. So it was maybe a nice plug and play because I was already had the discipline, already had the exercise, already had right. some, it was a some nice plug dietary yeah. stuff. Um, and I think testosterone for me, I tell this to my patients, like I do not envy the medical doctor who has to rely on nuanced benefit from medications or lab result only benefits like, Oh, well, you're taking this statin and your cholesterol is lower. You're doing good. And the patient's like, okay. Right. My patients on testosterone, I tell them from the outset, this should be a clear cut positive in your life because I find that if it's not, it's too much work. It's too much extracurricular to patients. Don't stay on it. It, it weeds itself out. Right. If you didn't really need it, right. Not really getting much benefit from it. You won't continue to do it. It's not an anabolic steroid. You're not going to become Mr. Olympia. Sure, you'll put on three to five pounds of muscle, and that's cool, but that's not enough for you to go through the time, effort, and money to do this. But if it is a significant player in your life, you're like, this is big for me. I'm going to stay on it. Um, and so I think it you either have those systems in place and the testosterone feeds into them, or the testosterone is the impetus to now put those things in place. And I've seen and the, both of those happen. And the cool thing about it is that it's already a biological system blueprinted into your DNA. Mm, good point. Where where there's no there's no blueprint. I mean like we're manipulating we're enhancing a, a blueprint that was already there mm-hmm. through evolution, creation, a combination of both whatever, it doesn't matter. And you're enhancing the DNA whereas in the other su- subset we're kind of working against our DNA to to override mm-hmm. something. And so yeah, it's it's a na- it's natural. It's natural. I mean, quote unquote. You know, we, we talk about natural. I mean, it's natural. So it should be very like I like what your your framework. It should be very evident. It's so, it's so natural. It's in your DNA. It's in your machinery. The cell the cellular biology is already there. That it should be you know instantaneous. It's not that it's not that medicines aren't, but they're kind of counteracting it. So the and there's all and something that we always find later on is that there's always all these. When you look at a test tube and you look at one thing in a silo, and I remember this uh, with, was it activated protein C? There was a, some big, it was going to cure sepsis in for, for surgery and trauma and it ended more bleeding and worse outcomes and they had to stop studies. I can't remember. It was back in the day. Um, but anyways, because you just don't think of all, it's hard to account for all the counter-regulatory things yeah, in the human body. But this this one was already there. This was already there at the beginning of time, at the beginning of, so it's part of being human. So you just... You put it in and you let it go. Whereas, you know, you, you know, you can't, you're not sure when you're doing the other ones, but anyway, yeah. it, it, it's so much so that if it was what you were missing, it should be very evident. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think in specific in relation to insulin and glucose dysregulation, it improves muscle mass, which improves your glucose metabolism. It improves how your, your exercise levels, it improves your drive, it improves your recovery, energy and process, the, recovery, and energy process, and all those things improve your glucose metabolism, which actively I see from a practical standpoint and specifically in my patients, it drives down things like glucose variability and yeah. it drives down A1C. It does. So it, it does have a place. Does it cure it? I've never seen that. No. Oh, no. 
And I would, I would make an argument that it doesn't, um, but it does play a significant role and it can be a driver to impetus to change in a, in a pre-diabetic patient. Yeah. And give them the win that the, just like semaglutide could be for a weight loss patient. When they come yeah. off it, the appetite is going to come back, but it could reset their metabolism. It could reset their caloric intake. It could reset their ability to view how these things can happen in them and, and how and their, and their, and their psychologic, um, mm-hmm. makeup of their habituation and forming a habit. I mean, it's, if you're on it long enough. So, right. um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, brother. as a synopsis, I don't think it's going to change uh, the world state of diabetes, but it definitely plays a role <laughs> and it definitely improves it. And I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it time and time again. Absolutely. All right, man. It's been a good one. Yes. On that note, I got to go work out. You know what? I think I'll, I think I'll go work out too. <laughs> I got to go get <laughs> ready you- for my marathon. Oh, that's oh. right. Uh, so not are you not close. doing, are you not doing CrossFit? Or are you just going? So Is yeah, it- I had to pull back on CrossFit. I could try to get in one day a week, but I've got to, the volume of training needed for this is just not conducive. I want to keep my jujitsu up, so I'm doing running. And then, of course, the holidays are screwed everything up. Yeah. But So how far are you running to- today? <laughs> how, how far are you running today? All right, I'll do eight miles today. Eight miles. Why, why are you laughing? Because you weren't going to do much? I don't know. Because if you make me say it ahead of time, then I've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm in the middle of it and I haven't set a, I haven't set yeah. a goal, then I can... Ah, four miles, is good, baby. six good. Eight miles. You, you, yeah. Stacy did it yesterday. Oh, she's doing it too? She did it yesterday. She did it out on the farm. She ran out in the sand Ooh. and she's like, oh man, that was tougher in the sand. And uh, Who's the better long distance athlete? I'm going to say Stacy. 100% yeah. Stacy. <laughs> no questions asked. Yeah, I figured. She's like, you're doing good. You're doing good. I'm like, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll just stay with you. It's okay. I'm like, (laughs) you got more of the fast twitch in you, I think. Yeah, like we were on that. The day before we got sick, uh, we were talking about last time, that morning we got up and we were at the top of a mountain and we did some sprints and lunges up the mountain and I crushed Bird. Just absolutely destroyed her. I was like, yes, old man. But then you put me on like. You put me on a four or five mile run, and I'm just like, this is just brutal. Uh, yeah. Stacy whips me every time. Is it a mindset thing? You get bored, or is it just is it cardio? What I, is it? I think it's I think it's my my metabolic and muscular profile as well as like my joints, my ankles and shins and feet uh, yeah. just have yeah. never done this and they don't like it. Yeah. Um and I after like 45 minutes, my brain's just like, you should quit. You should quit. You should quit. You should quit. Like yeah. it just constantly tells me I should quit. And I'm just like, yeah. shut up. You know, so yeah. it, it's a it's a misconception that it's easy for anybody, I think. Like you're just, my no. brain is always lying to me about, yeah. you should, you, you're done. You're fine. You did a mile. You did two miles. You're good. You know, just that little whisper in there. Like, yeah. I, I like, a, I need like a David Goggins style uh, person yelling at me when I'm working out. Like yeah. just just berate me that's what i need just, just like i want to complain yeah. but just don't listen to me and just tell me how much of a sissy i am <laughs> just let me bitch and compl- and just beat me yes. up I, i'm gonna bitch and complain you your job is to not listen to me and further turn up the abuse that's what i tell people <laughs> <laughs> but if you expect me to be like oh, okay yes coach i'm gonna do it no i'm gonna no, yell I'm and gonna, i'm gonna bitch and moan I'm and complain yell right the whole back way at through. you yeah yep. you just gotta be louder and more persistent than me and i'll do it <laughs> oh man all right man well good luck on the run today yeah i'll let you know how it goes all right let me know all right man have a good one